We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Cast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire and Bet Online. We are creeping towards August, creeping towards NFL training camp, and tonight I am joined by our good friend Sean Siegel, uh, Mister Zero RB himself, uh, the man of the banana stand. How's it going tonight, Sean? Good. Looking forward to getting into some of these dynasty questions, looking at what we should do if there are problems with the season. And I had been cautiously a little bit more optimistic again the last couple of days until we had the report on the Marlins today. Yeah, that was, I mean, interestingly, like it, we're recording this at, at 10 p.m. on Monday and at like 11 a.m. on Monday, I'm like, OK, it's it's over. The fact that they played baseball on Monday gives me some sort of hope that like, okay, we're just not going to like cancel it. If like one team 
you know, gets heavily in infected, which, you know, we can discuss, we're not going to discuss real world, like why that's bad. But, you know, in terms of like the fact that it didn't get like everything immediately canceled this, you know, basically this morning shows signs like, hey, maybe we're going to like fight this a little bit. <laughs> well, and it, it sounded today. And again, I don't understand exactly how teams think this is going to work, but you know, Bruce Arians evidently saying that all the players are going to get sick. It'll just be a matter of like who gets sick at the best times and who, you know, has guys come back the quickest. And, you know, he mentioned discipline. I, I don't, I guess I don't understand how a team can be disciplined within the context of all players being sick. That's, that's something that I think is kind of a, a different sort of category, but hopefully within the next couple of weeks here, the NFL will continue to develop some protocols that will work you know, just watching the early baseball games, there was nothing to really give you the sense that what they were going to do was going to work. And, and obviously football will be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. And I, I do think the one of the more surprising things coming out of the first weekend of baseball, not that this really relates to Dynasty at all, but there's been some players wearing masks, some players wearing masks incorrectly, some players not wearing masks at all. Like, I feel like, and granted, this doesn't really work as the same for for football, but I feel like if you're going to have, if you're going to play the sport, you should institute a rule and say, okay, this is what everyone should be doing. Not like, okay, some guys are wearing masks, some guys aren't. Like, I feel like you should institute, okay, like everyone's wearing a mask except when you're batting or except when you're pitching or, or something like that. Well, and, and again, it seems like, a lot of these things just weren't going to be ready in time, but you hear about plans to do helmets that might have had a benefit and those perhaps falling through. You know, those kinds of things are disappointing because you know, if they're going to have a season, if even a shortened season, at this point, there seems like there's a lot of value to be argued for taking another month off having a shorter season as opposed to starting up a season having a huge number of people get sick. And then, you know, how do you get started again after that? Where if you only had a 12 game season, sure, that takes some money off the table for people, but that's a lot more uh, for the NFL and obviously for all the fans than if you have three or four games and then have to stop playing. And uh, anyway, well, I, I think that we're still as optimistic as we can be, but it is frustrating because it does seem like there are th some things that could have been done. And we will talk a little bit about some COVID strategies for Dynasty, both in the instance of a season and no season. But before we talk about that, we're going to talk about some zero RB in the Dynasty world. And one of the zero RB Dynasty heroes of the last season and redraft heroes as well was Austin Eckler. And he is going to be the focus of our FFPC stat attack. Austin Eckler was being drafted uh, at pick 142 overall. And he had one game below 10 PPR points, only one game below 10 PPR points in 17 weeks or 16 weeks, I guess. And he had four above 20. So Austin Eckler was the zero RB, the breakout running back star in 2019. And we expect to see more of the same with Melvin Gordon now uh, elsewhere in the division with Denver. Um, but before we talk about uh, Austin Eckler and more zero RB targets, uh, we can talk about our friends over at the FFPC. Uh, they are your number one source for fantasy services. You got Redraft, Dynasty, Best Ball. FFC, FFPC has everything you need to be, to play on a, on a platform. If you need a commissioner, they are the best commissioner in the business. So make sure to check out FFPC for your all your fantasy, Redraft, Dynasty, Best Ball needs. FFPC, the way to go. And they always support Rotovis, which is always great. 
All right. So now let's get into the show. So, uh, Sean, I, I lured you here under some false pretenses. I know you aren't really on Twitter anymore. Uh, there was some zero RB uh, debate ablaze over the last week or so, and I may have contributed to it going larger than it should have been. <laughs> so this is what happened. So someone essentially told Izzy Elkafas of Dice Trade Calculator that Kareem Hunt was one of his favorite zero RB targets, and he likes to take him in the fourth round. And I was like, well, that sounds a little weird. Uh, that doesn't sound like zero RB to me. And and obviously you can correct me as I'm talking about this, but for me, your first, you know, the zero, the main zero RB article and your thoughts going forward, it's zero RB isn't about picking a running back in a specific round, or it really isn't even about like when you take your running back. It's more so about creating a roster where you'll benefit each time there's an injury. And you, by, by that, you're taking the, the wide receivers and the tight ends that are less likely to be injured than those running backs. And you'll have in the later rounds, those running backs, the backups of the running backs that are getting hurt. So under your zero RB ideology, does it make m- much sense to enter a, a draft to say, yeah, let's take a running back in the fourth round? Because I feel like that's not setting yourself up for, you know, I'm going to take all these safe assets early and then take the assets that are going to be capitalizing on injuries later on. Yeah, I uh, certainly that what's being described there probably wouldn't go with our thoughts on a normal zero running back lineup. Perhaps it's a situation where uh, Hunt is normally going more in a zero RB range, but this particular drafter likes him enough to target him well above ADP, make sure that he has him. And maybe the rest of the roster is pretty wide receiver and tight end heavy early on. Uh, Hunt's one of those guys who's very interesting where if he had, if he was less expensive then you know, he would be your dream candidate because he's someone who is going to have quite a bit of standalone value. And then should something happen to Nick Chubb, it's not hard to see a scenario in which Hunt finished not just near the top, but, you know, let's say that the offense changes a little bit with McCaffrey. Let's say that Barkley has some of the problems that he had this last year. We hope neither of those two things happen, but it's it's definitely not hard to see a scenario in which Hunt finished as the running back one overall, or at least say the running back one from week five on in which case you know drafting him in the fourth round would not be a problem at all we are kind of looking generally speaking with your running back where you do want to have that group of wide receivers that is going to give you such a foundation so much depth so much scoring then you throw in perhaps a travis kelsey uh, maybe a george kittle or a mark andrews uh even i think zach Ertz is, is really set up well to have another very good season you put one of those guys you know with four wide receivers It depends on how deep your starting lineups are. Obviously, you want it to be a PPR league. But if you can destroy those flex positions, if you can have those top wide receivers, if you can put a stud tight end with them. And then we're looking not just, I think, for injuries, but also for some breakout kinds of guys. And with the number of rookies who were drafted in the first 100 picks this year, I think there are going to be some more committees than people are necessarily expecting i did a study on the site somewhat recently looking at the fact that when top 100 rookies are drafted into situations uh, even when the starter is a pretty established confident type of guy 
you see those starters, those incumbents, their dynasty value craters, and it happens much more quickly than people realize. That doesn't mean that all of those rookies drafted are going to come in right away and make an impact, but, but I do like the committees this season. And then, you know, as we're going to talk about here in a minute, certainly if we're going to have injuries, illnesses uh, in a different way than what we have in most seasons, a lot of those guys are very appetizing. Yeah, and by the base that I talked about earlier that, benefiting from injury kareem hunt is the one who benefits from injury the most maybe in the entire nfl but you do have to factor in the cost of like that injury might not happen but also my general point in the argument which which you know you really you're you're a smart man by staying off twitter um but the the thing that i was you know so uh focusing on with this this, this guy i was arguing with was that it's not, okay, I went wide receivers the first three rounds, and that's zero RB. And that's basically what, what was his point. It was like, I went wide receiver the first three rounds. That's zero RB. I was like, no. Zero RB is minimizing risk by g- getting those players that aren't getting hurt as often in the early early part of the drafts, and then capitalizing later on by getting those players backups. Definitely. But, but also, again, you know, we have these committees – we're going to have some players emerge from the committees. But with that zero RB idea that you're talking about, we really do want these teams that are set to do well from the beginning. But then as the chaos of the season ensues, they get better and better, whereas most teams are going to be falling off based on those running back injuries that you talked about uh, are not going to be as well set up for the bye weeks. All of those different types of things are things you can really hit with the type of zero running zero RB that you're talking about. All right, so let's transition to zero RB in the dynasty sphere. And I, I do feel like, you know, over the last few years, we've had the emergence of Christian McCaffrey and Joe Mixon and Saquon Barkley. And, you know, some of these top backs that have kind of made people think that they can't afford to do zero RB in dynasty. Um, but e- each time someone says this, I'm like, when you're seeing six, seven running backs go in the first round, that means that's the perfect time to go zero RB and stack those young wide receivers going to be productive for a long time because no matter how good these running backs are right now pretty much every time you look four years ago the rb landscape and Di- rb landscape and dynasty looks so much different than it does today and at wide receiver it still looks similar with just the sprinkling of the players that have been drafted over those course of those four years definitely and there are a lot of different factors here. One of the things I like to talk about in Dynasty is that to have a Dynasty team, and you and I both are in the, some of the kitchen sink leagues, you have these deep teams, but in addition to all the wide receiver firepower that you need, you are going to need some running back scoring because to win the kitchen sink, to win some of these Dynasty leagues, you need a Dynasty team that is far better than any given sort of redraft champion. When I mean, you need to have to put together a real powerhouse, it probably isn't as realistic to win with maybe limited points at the running back position. But that doesn't mean that you don't still want to make wide receiver your foundation exactly as you talked about. If you go through, you look at the trade value changes, you're going to see the wide receivers have more value in the startup because owners understand about that longevity. But then as they go along in time, those wide receivers maintain their trade value, whereas the running backs lose that trade value. And uh, certainly all veterans are going to be losing trade value as they go through their careers. That's one of the things that Pat Corrine has done uh, some really good research for on the site previously. It's something that Blair Andrews talks about all the time and has really a wide variety of articles looking at this from a variety of perspectives, all of them showing 
how running backs are going to lose that value. What you want to have in order to put together this real dynasty for your dynasty team is you need to have enough wide receiver firepower that you can play some of it and trade some of it. And then we want to target some of those top running backs. We need to get them in the rookie drafts. We need to get them early in their careers. And then we need to turn them over very quickly because, you know, even second, third, fourth year running backs, guys, we are thinking, okay, I need to keep them because they're at the peak. You really need to be turning those guys over if you want to build this team that has the most trade value that it represents because it just takes very little to lose that running back value and i think here you know we could get into sort of our trade discussions where you know i am trying to acquire travis etienne from you in a super flex league i know that you really need and probably want to uh pay the farm for sam darnold about to have a huge breakout season and one of the things we've had as a sticking point here is the value of Leonard Fournette. And a guy who was at the very top last year in terms of expected points. And then the question is, especially a guy who's caught so many passes, is he an example of someone who, even when he's at sort of his peak, he still doesn't have that dynasty trade value that you're really looking for? Yeah, the the thing with Fournette, and we've seen it so often with these running backs that are either approaching or getting that second contract, it's that it can drop off very quickly. You know, we've seen it with Todd Gurley. We've seen it with others. I mean, we're, we're starting even to preemptively see it with Zeke. Like, I feel like his his value, his trade value does not match his, you know, first-round startup ADP. And Leonard Fournette is a guy who's faced injuries throughout his career. He's not fleet of foot. He's a bigger guy. And I feel like a lot of the dynasty community feels like that's not a a, a a body type that ages well from a dynasty sphere. We haven't seen a bunch of 260-pound running backs, you know, play for 10 years, that type of thing. And so for, for me, the reason why I'm wide receiver heavy on my teams, yes, I, I like to have those assets long term. But it's just so much less risky. And someone might say, well, you have so many rookie picks, these Debbie picks, they all have risk. They, they do but they aren't paying third round startup price for a Leonard Fournette. And so I'm very often avoiding these running backs at, you know, towards the end of their first contract, just because we've seen so many instances of that at the end of the first contract, beginning of second contract, their, their value just falls out after a poor season or not even like Fournette didn't even have a bad season last year and he still lost value. Exactly right. And that's one of the things that we see with these guys as they head to that 20, that age 25. And you're thinking, okay, well, age 25, that is still very much the peak. And, you know, we're going to talk about it here in a second with, you know, what do you want if we have a wiped out season? I think that, uh, and Tom Brady, another one of those guys who would potentially factor in this trade because I've got to get a quarterback back. Brady, at the end there, some of these people like a Leonard Fournette. If the season doesn't happen, is that good for him to where he comes back next year with the exact same value and we're not really looking at this scenario where maybe he has a bad 2020? And just, you know, frankly, looking at where his trade value is now coming off of a season where he was at the top and expected points, really any further deterioration of his play or any loss of volume, because what's still holding him there is definitely that volume. If that falls off at all, then his trade value just, you know, really falls off the map. Mm -hmm. And as we're talking about, you know, possibly avoiding running backs in the early rounds of a startup, 
as a huge zero RB or, you know, heavy wide receiver advocate in startups, that doesn't really transfer over to me when it comes to future rookie drafts. I have no problem investing in DeAndre Swift at the 105 or taking Cam Akers at the 106. Just because I like loading up on wide receivers doesn't mean I'm going to stare at the value at running backs in future years, especially because it, the way I build my teams, I'm not as focused on winning in year one. But when I get to year two, three, I'm like, well, I could use a running back now. And not that I'm drafting for need, but I'm also not going out of my way to, to select a wide receiver over a running back. And I think the real key there is that we do get some more value from running backs in that first season. And then you have to have the discipline to turn a lot of those guys over. It's, it's very difficult. And I think that one of the hardest things about playing redraft is that, you know, you go back and you look at our zero RB candidates list on Rotoviz really since the very beginning. And every year we have those guys who jump from the sixth, seventh, eighth round into round two, who jump from the ninth, 10th, 11th round into round three. And then that next year, you had this wonderful experience with the guy and you really do want to take him again. I mean, I've got Austin Eckler on a ton of my dynasty teams. He's an interesting value, I think, in redraft this year, but you have to have the discipline to not take him then that following season in redraft. Well, you have to follow a similar type of plan in Dynasty where it's not even that you can't draft him again in redraft, but you have to actually actively go out and make the trades to unload him, but unload him at a price that works for you because you can't sell these guys the whole way through. You know, Then you'll end up with not enough value on your team very quickly. So let's talk about identifying zero RB candidates in Dynasty. I'm sure that you're looking at some of the you know similar things in regards to a redraft zero RB candidate and a dynasty zero RB candidate. Maybe you're just looking at age as the, the main differentiator that maybe you're focusing on uh, giving, you know, the tiebreaker to the younger back because they have some, like have more long-term upside. But what, what are, I mean, I guess start with what are some of the factors you look at to identify a zero RB candidate and then how does that change or alter for dynasty? Well, I'm always looking for guys who, whose athleticism is not priced in and whose production is not priced in. And then we want guys who catch passes. And so that sort of trio of characteristics gives us a lot of guys who tend to be a little bit smaller than the prototypical early round draft guy, but they're faster. They catch more passes. They're able to uh, you know, hit the hole, create the big run. One of the things that we're looking for in terms of efficiency with running backs is simply this idea of can you create the big play? Because you're not going to have those gaudy efficiency numbers without the ability to take you know, at least some carries, 30, 40, 50 yards. So when we have these guys who perhaps they're a little bit smaller, and one of the reasons why I have Christian McCaffrey on almost all of my teams is that I didn't ding him for his size the way that a lot of other people did. Now, not that people thought he was going to be bad, but just this difference between him and some of the other guys, even in his own draft class, who are bigger guys, more the three down types of guys. Well, the NFL, I think we've seen it just so clearly with McCaffrey. We see it with some other guys like Kamara, even though he's not necessarily a small guy per se. We see it with Austin Eckler. These players who had the fantastic athleticism catch the pass. That's where the NFL is going. And so, especially with the fact that these guys tend to be less expensive, my roster are, is really filled with those types of players. And then when you move that into dynasty, I think at the very top of your dynasty rookie drafts, 
you're looking for those guys that you mentioned earlier, then especially with how things have gotten so running back heavy again the past two or three years, we tend to have this this fairly extended window between, say, pick five and pick 20, where a lot of those wide receivers are going, and you can hammer them if you have multiple picks throughout that range, and then we move back to some of these players who may be more like a, a Darrington Evans, the people who have been productive, who are fast, hopefully catch some passes, and one of the very obvious guys right now, I think, if you go in, you look at the box score scout, you put the two guys head to head, Edwards Allaire and Eno Benjamin are almost identical players in terms of so many of the production elements and so many of the athleticism elements. They both compare very, very closely to an Aaron Jones. And so you look at the career that Jones has had. He was one of the guys that we always hammered. You definitely wanted to have him with the production, with the athleticism. And now you know, we're looking at these two guys who were just drafted, one the very first running back taken to this beautiful offensive situation, another one lasting to the seventh round, a little bit of a head scratcher there. But with the final season being mildly overvalued in terms of how NFL teams are looking at these guys, you have Benjamin as this potential value here. And so the thing that you want to do is not reach for him, but make sure as you're going deeper into these rookie drafts that you start to get as many shares as you can. Yeah, I do feel like that was one of the, I, I can't remember the art, uh, the author at the moment, but that was one of the earlier Rotoviz articles that I read was the fact that the best season is often more valuable than the last season. And that's how you find guys that had a, you know, a down year in their final season, but had a star sophomore or, or broke out as a freshman at 18 years old. And you use those guys as they fell in the draft. Like Stephon Diggs is one of the common examples that he was amazing at age 18 at age 20 did nothing. Therefore falls to the fifth round. And now he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah, we're definitely, and one of the things that you can do on the site that's a lot of fun, pull up that running back prospect lab, pull up the wide receiver prospect lab. You can see the difference here between career production, final season production, and you can also put in draft position and see the interaction of that with the different stats in both categories. You'll see that the draft position is going to wipe out so much of that final season value. Not surprisingly, NFL GMs have that in the front of their mind when they're making those picks, but the career value will often still be a good indicator there. So if you have someone whose career is better than their final season, again, that doesn't necessarily mean that you want to take them first, but there'll be a relative value. Certainly we're not saying that, you know, Benjamin is someone you want to prioritize over Edwards Alaire. That would be silly, but the relative prices of the two guys are very different. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just give my, my map as to how I try and find those zero RB targets. And you can let me know you disagree or agree, but for me, everyone who ever listens to my dynasty analysis, it's draft capital. Draft capital is number one far and away that draft capital shows that if that injury happens, they're going to get the opportunity and it's going to be a real opportunity. So oftentimes when it's a fifth, sixth round pick, when they get that opportunity, it's like it's a fake opportunity. It's like, OK, you can get a few carries. But I feel like those second, those third round picks, they get the real opportunity to have a 15 to 20 carry type game or, you know, 20 total touches. And so you're looking for the draft capital and then. When you're, when you're not looking at just that, also look at the depth chart. There are teams that have, you know, a decent third NFL running back, and there are teams that don't. And so if there's literally nothing behind them, that's a nice zero RB candidate because they might end up getting a workload simply because there's nothing nothing or very little other talent 
uh, at the position. Like for the, Car- the Cardinals, for example, they are a team that has a lot of talent at the running back position. They have Drake, Edmonds, and Eno Benjamin. So if Drake gets hurt, Edmonds still, ha- Edmonds still has to compete with Eno Benjamin. Whereas if Derrick Henry gets hurt, who's Darrington Evans uh, you know, competing against? I don't even know. And I think that you have uh, that situation, even in terms of, say, your middle targets and then your late targets. There's obviously a debate between people who like Singletary or like Moss. I like both of them because of that exact situation that you mentioned right there. Those two guys, they're obviously going to get touches. You go down to the third person, much more questionable. I think both guys are undervalued, not necessarily based on their initial split, but there are so many scenarios in which either guy could absolutely blow away ADP that you want to make sure you have shares of both. All right, let's move on to some COVID talk. Uh, But before we do that, we want to hear our friends over at DealDash. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, the most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 options every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. I need a car, so I might have to go to DealDash. Uh, here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every time, uh, every item starts at $0. Only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is the auction block restarts after after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or, answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra $100 for 100 free bids upon sign up. 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their, their extra dis- other discounts. Go to dealdash.com and use the code ROTOVIZ, R O T O V I Z, ROTOVIZ, and you'll get the extra 100 free bids. And that's dealdash.com slash ROTOVIZ. All right, let's get into some COVID talk as it relates to the Dynasty Sphere. We, we've talked about it a little bit as you went into the inner workings of our trade negotiations of why I don't want Leonard Fournette, why you might not want Tom Brady. And that can go even deeper talking about what commissioners and what the NFL will do in regards to contracts uh, if there is no NFL season. But that is even more than we're <laughs> looking to chew at the moment. So first, let, let's start, start planning and strategizing for a COVID season. So you talked about how the R, uh, the zero RB strategy or even the zero, uh, I believe the zero everything strategy is once coined by Rotoviz, uh, is a successful strategy in the in the, the wake of possible, you know, multiple injuries, multiple illnesses at once. So for your dynasty teams, are you looking at your quarterbacks and saying, hey, I need to look at some backup quarterbacks? Are you are you handcuffing more than you possibly would in redraft or dynasty? Um, how are you managing your rosters when it comes to a possible – and for, for this, we'll, we'll assume that a season is happening, but there will be missed games due to COVID. I think the thing that I want to do in a chaotic season – is continue to lean into the things that we talk about all the time, which is that you want to have as deep a team as you can. You want to have as much trade value in your team as you can. That'll let you make the moves that you need without wrecking your team by being forced into a very specific type of trade. So I think this kind of season is going to benefit the deep teams that we focus on. It's going to benefit those wide receiver oriented teams. And then we're going to see even more churn in free agency. So you're going to have to be an active owner. You're going to have to continue to work those bottom spots on your roster. It's going to feature more week to week play of running backs. And so as you're using those depth spots and as you're following along with the depth charts like you talked about there you're going to be able to take advantage of it i think this season is going to benefit the young veterans even more than a normal season so 
the types of things that we're looking to do in terms of crafting those teams that are younger than the next person, it's going to be a difficult season likely for rookies. But when you're talking about those 22, 23, 24-year-old guys who have a season or two under their belts, this is going to be the perfect season for them, both in terms of performance and production, but also in terms of what you can get for them. If you have an extra guy and you have a hole somewhere else, you're going to be able to bring a lot back in trade. Yeah, I, and it's one of those things that it, it needs to be said, but it's also fairly obvious that like, hey, when there's injuries or illnesses going to happen, it's good to have depth. And if you get, oftentimes we're saying make the two for one trade, get the better player. This might be the year where you're like, okay, if you can get, you know, two guys that are worth fourth round startup picks, you can trade your second round startup pick, those type of values. And so you do want to build depth. Um, and I may have missed you saying this. Are you building your depth? Based on like, so if you have Devin Singletary, are, are you going out of your way to get Zach Moss? Or if you have Derrick Henry, are you going out of your way to get Darrington Evans? Not necessarily. There are going to be some situations like you mentioned with the Bills where I think having both guys makes sense anyway. But I'm always looking to try and get the most value out of the team. I think it can be tricky in season to really chase those moves to win this season. I think that the number one thing you always want to do is just have a team that's deep enough, strong enough to make the playoffs, and then whatever happens, happens. I don't think that you're going to want to make moves to the overall structure of your roster for this season that weakens you for the future. We just have so much uncertainty about what's going to happen here. You know, what happens if, as we talked about in the intro, uh, you get to, you know, a week or so away from the fantasy playoffs, and, and that's really the point where it just gets to where the NFL can't go anymore. So I think that you want to use this season to build an even deeper team to make the moves, maybe take advantage of the desperation from some of your league mates. I'm probably going to avoid handcuffing if it costs me anything extra. I think that that point on the quarterbacks is interesting and it's a good point to where if you have those bottom of the lineup roster spots, you know, in a 27, 28, 30, 35 man roster, maybe you want to use those on quarterbacks as opposed to your favorite uh, undrafted free agent rookie who isn't going to factor into the season in all likelihood as much as he might otherwise. Yeah, and I, I do think some of that just comes to, down to team management and the fact that there's going to be, I mean, there's no way to guarantee this, but there's a, there's a chance that Sunday morning you get a positive COVID test on a quarterback and you're like, oh, I don't have a quarterback anymore. Whether it's one QB or Superflex, that's certainly a detriment to your team. And so having their backup isn't the worst move if you have roster spots to spare, especially in the offseason when you likely have uh, those expanded roster spots. And then you can make the decision whether you actually want to hold them into the season when the cutdown is due. You did reference this a little bit, and we can expound upon it. Uh, rookies, and I even threw in free agency acquisitions as how they will adapt to new teams with the limited offseason. And it has certainly been talked about on Twitter and on podcasts, and I feel like it's certainly being factored into prices. Do you think it's being, oh, from what you're seeing or hearing, do you think it's being overvalued, undervalued? Do you think people are just measuring it correctly? Like, okay, like uh, I'm dinging the free, I'm dinging Stefan Diggs a little bit because he's not going to get so much time with Josh Allen, or do you think there's they should be dinging him more? I think that what we're seeing is that the prices offset a lot of the concerns. And you know certainly when you're talking about rookies and maybe even deep rookies, you talk about uh, some end of the lineup choices where you have interesting 
you know, rookie wide receivers who might not be even owned in your dynasty league on teams like the Bills. You're looking at Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins. Maybe you're looking at the Eagles and you have really deep guys like Quez Watkins and John Hightower. So they're not going to have this offseason to, number one, create buzz. And then number two, uh, generate some type of rapport with their quarterbacks. At the same time, if we have a lot of carnage, you know, with the illnesses, then that opportunity may be there more than it is in any other type of season. And so it, it's going to benefit people who are familiar with these guys, understand which players were actually very, very good college players. That always translates to the NFL better. You know, someone like an Alan Lazard, who was a fantastic college player and just you know, really mind-bogglingly wasn't someone the NFL was very interested in. Now, obviously, he has what looks like a pretty good role with the Packers. You want to know about those guys going into this season because there may be opportunities. So, like you talked about, with UDFAs, this is going to be a tough offseason for the undrafted free agents because they often spend that camp earning their roster spot. And they won't necessarily have that opportunity or have certainly a less opportunity than in previous years. But... If there are if if there are 10, 12 guys on on the COVID spot for teams, that means they're going to have to re-sign some of those UDFA's that they cut uh, around cut down. If the NFL decides to go a traditional fifty-three man roster, I think there's a chance they may, may end up extending roster spots, like some dynasty leagues are even talking about doing. But, but in general, the initial opportunity are, is going to be harder to come by for those UDFA, UDFA's, but, but there might be opportunity later on. I think so. And. You know, you, you look at some of those guys like a Stephon Diggs, that's definitely a difficult situation. We know based on research that Blair has done, based on research that Jack Miller has done, those guys changing teams, especially for the very established guys who we're used to seeing the big time production from, there is a fall off there. And then I think you have to look at each individual situation and decide how much you like it. How good do you think Stephon Diggs is? How much better is that situation in Buffalo uh, from a volume perspective, both in terms of within the depth chart and then for overall uh, total number of plays with the team, maybe even scoring for the team? You know, how much better is that situation? And then, yes, you do want to ding him. But you look at some of the prices for these guys. You know, you look at a team like the Chargers who are going to have some differences at quarterback. You either have a Tyrod Taylor or you have the untested rookie. Some of their position players really getting punished. And yeah, there's a lot of risk there. But once the prices get to where they are, maybe that ends up giving you an opportunity. Yep, for sure. All right, let's move on to planning and strategizing for what I am sadly thinking is the more likely scenario. And that is no season for Dynasty Fantasy Football. And so... Outside of just saying I'm not acquiring those short-term assets like a Leonard Fournette or a Tom Brady, is there anything specific you're doing on a day-to-day as far as trades or waiver wire that you're doing that you wouldn't traditionally do in a normal offseason? For me, there isn't a ton right now because my teams are are very young. I trade my elite vets earlier than most people do so that I don't get into the situation where maybe someone is about to hit a time where their trade value is going to fall because you're really looking at two separate things. You're looking at both production and you're looking at trade value. One of the things that I think is the most important tri- uh, takeaway from a lot of Blair's work is that we get this idea that that's that those two things are in conflict when in fact, in many ways they, they work together where if you're holding players who seem like they're in their peaks, you actually have more production risk 
than you might otherwise think. And so I don't have a lot of these guys, but I do think that this is a worse time than usual even to be holding aging players. I think that the flip side of that is it is an interesting time to be trading for 2021 uh, first round picks because even though you're not going to potentially have this college season to allow a bunch of guys to emerge who haven't already, we already have a first round for 2021 that looks pretty solid. And one of the things that you have to look at there and say, okay, this is kind of interesting, is if we don't have a season, then we don't have the ability for those guys to finish up what otherwise has been a good college career with bad years, right? You look at someone like a Juju Smith-Schuster who crushed his value with that third So these guys who right now are sitting pretty as what you might consider a 2020 round one they're not going to destroy themselves by having a bad season if no season happens. So you have that kind of balancing element of, yes, we're not going to have some of the guys emerge who would, but we're also not going to have some of the guys collapse who otherwise would either. Yeah. I mean, just imagine if there was no 2019 season, Tyler Johnson could have been a first round pick. <laughs> um, so yes, there is a bit of up and down. There's not going to be the players that lose value, but also there's not going to be the Clyde edwards uh that you know emerges from guy that you wouldn't even think about on a Debbie team to possibly the 101 in many leagues. So yeah, that, that's certainly something to think about. And we've talked about a little bit from the, the Debbie sphere that I, I do think that if there's one thing that gets hurt the most, it's the rookie drafts and rookie options in Debbie leagues because those are chock full of those late breakout guys and if there's no season to break out and i think that obviously a college no college season is even more likely than no nfl season and so that is one of my concerns for debbie leagues and those rookie picks is that those rely on those breakouts and they just might not happen yeah that's that's definitely a a real concern and again it's going to come down to price if you can get a lot of those picks thrown in at a big discount then you can kind of cover your bases with younger players with players off of you know all of these power conference teams where we know just based on where they were even coming into college that there is some embedded value there but you're going to need to have volume you're going to need to have uh, a structure within your league where you can hold a lot of guys if you're not allowed to have many people on your taxi squad or your Debbie roster, however it's structured, then it gets more difficult because you you need to balance out what you're talking about, which is that you're not going to have much idea about a lot of these guys. You're going to have to balance that out with volume. If your league doesn't really let you do that, then it's a more difficult path to follow. All right. We're going to wrap up the show with a zero RB edition of Keep Trade Drop. But before we get into that, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. Sports are coming back. Wrong. They're back. Sports are back for now. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is, is kicked off last weekend, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and profits, all available 24-7. In the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ori. See what they had to say on it, and it'll be like playing without fans in a series called Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. And I I will say that uh, Sean has referenced Rotoviz articles more than any other guest, which is a great thing because Rotoviz has awesome articles. If you want to listen to those articles, then, you know, have someone get a Rotoviz subscription and read to you. But if you want to read the, the, the articles, uh, get involved with a Rotoviz 
Radio listener subscription, Rotoviz Radio listeners can receive 10% off a one-year uh, Rotoviz subscription by applying uh, the discount code 2020RVRadio at checkout. By going to rotaviz.com slash podcast for more information, make sure to get a 10% discount with uh, discount code 2020RVRadio, and it supports the podcast. All right, let's get into a quick game of Keep Trade Drop. Um, I know it's a very complicated game, Sean, but I will explain it just in case you didn't know. Keep means that you would like to keep the player. You think their their value is fair, that you don't think they're overvalued, undervalued. Trade means that overvalued, get rid of them while you still can. And drop means that, yeah, I could do without them. So keep trade drop, zero RB edition. I pretty much took like the three levels of zero RB and Kareem Hunt wasn't on any of those levels. <laughs> we have our first keep trade drop is Alexander Madison, A.J. Dillon, and Zach Moss, keep trade drop. Well, I, these are all difficult because on all the levels, I think, you know, we don't want to drop anybody. These guys have some good value for us here. But AJ Dillon, Zach Moss, you were talking about, you know, how should we approach zero RB in Dynasty? And Moss and Dillon are the two guys that I had as targets for pretty much all of these rookie drafts. So end up with a lot of picks hammer those guys in the second round if you're in a super flex a little bit later than that we love what both of these guys have to offer right moss doesn't really have the athleticism that we're looking for but he was an explosive player in college despite that he catches passes he's one of those guys with the three down ability to where if things break right now i'm a big devin singletary fan i'm hoping things won't break right maybe at least in 2020 but if things break right i mean zach moss is basically David Montgomery with the ability to actually get some yards from all those broken tackles, right? So uh, we definitely want him. I'm going to go with the drop on Madison in part because I don't think he's quite the same level of talent in part because I own Dalvin Cook almost everywhere. Now, I know saying that with a first round guy uh, with the CRRB, you know, maybe there's a little bit of conflict there. But but through the different things that have happened, I, I have Cook on almost every dynasty team. So I'm going to drop Madison just because if Cook holds out uh, that's going to be disastrous for me there so perhaps with how much enthusiasm there is for moss we trade him get some of the value back and then aj Dillon, uh, you know you pull up the, the running back prospect lab he had the number two score in this class and clearly this class has some stars beyond jonathan taylor so you're looking at the number two guy you're looking at someone who has big time athleticism in a monster body the big red flag is he doesn't catch passes, but you're looking at someone who comps very similarly to Derrick Henry. Is he ever going to have the kind of season that Henry had last year? Probably not. But, you know, you look at him in this Green Bay Packers offense a couple years down the road, there's some big time upside there. Yeah, I will start by agreeing on your first point or your first keep. The keep is A.J. Dillon. Uh, and the primary reason I've talked about in recent weeks how I am terrified of the 2021 free agency class, I'm ter terrified of all of them in Dynasty. Because, I, yes, I talked about how I, I'm avoiding those guys in terms of a second contract. But also, I'm just not sure what teams are going to pay for a running back and how things are going to work out. So I do think that presents an opportunity for A.J. Dillon to be an RB1 in 2021 if Aaron Jones walks. Um, so I'm keeping A.J. Dillon because I think he has that possibility of an RB1 next year. And also, in the event that Aaron Jones gets hurt, I have the most faith in him becoming a workhorse in that Green Bay, Green Bay offense. Next, I'm going to trade Alexander Madison. I think he has a little bit more hype than Zach Moss right now. People are more scared of a possible Dalvin Cook injury or holdout 
than a Singletary injury or holdout. And so for, for that reason, I think that you can get more for Madison, especially from that Dalvin Cook owner. And then I'm dropping Moss because he's not exciting from an athletic standpoint. And I think Singletary is better than him. I, I, like I said, I agree with you that that certainly in the event of an injury, that's a great role for him to be in in, in Buffalo. But I do kind of think that at least in the short term, it it requires that injury to happen in order for me to really care about him. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that on Singletary. I think that he's going to, uh, he, he's someone, it's it's weird because basically in every league, I have one of these two guys and Singletary, you look at what he did in college and then he has that combine where he just doesn't look very athletic, but then you watch him last season. He's not Barry Sanders, obviously. He's probably not LaShawn McCoy, but when you're talking about someone who has the change of direction, maintain speed, break the big play uh, type of ability. You just don't see that many running backs who look like he does when he's out there on the field. And he showed last year that he can do it against NFL defenses. All right, let's go to our next one. And it is Tony Pollard, Darrington Evans, and Daryl Henderson. This one's hard too, because you know these, these are the guys I'm accumulating in all these drafts here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and trade Pollard, even though he shows up as one of the main guys Curtis is, is holding on to and, and trying to trade for. He looks great in the analysis that Blair has done based on you know where these guys should be going. Pollard, pretty expensive when you consider that he's buried behind someone who's simply not going to give up really any touches at all. And yet, if anything happened to Elliot, he's the kind of guy who has that skill set that we've been talking about where you want the athletic guys who catch passes. We're going to trade him, though, because his value is so high, despite the fact that Elliot is there. Evans, I think we both talked about a little bit earlier in the show, where we just love him, right? He's got that pass-catching ability. He's got that 4-4 speed. One of the things that people have to realize is a part of what Derrick Henry has done in this offense has benefited from an offense that is going to be fantastic for running backs. So even though Evans is a very different style guy, there's a an easy scenario in which he has a huge season in this offense. We're not rooting for anybody to get hurt. I think that Derrick Henry will stay healthy. But Evans is one of those guys who actually is going to siphon off a few touches. He's got some standalone value there. Uh, he looks like uh, this person who could be Aaron Jones in a year or two. We're going to keep him. And then Darrell Henderson, I, I think there's still a lot of potential there. His price you know, he's he's someone I do have on a lot of these teams, but what he did last year on a team that really seemed like he could have broken in, the the move that they made to go ahead, that commitment to Cam Akers with that selection there, certainly looks like he is going to be the guy. I think if you're a Henderson fan, you don't like to hear them talking about four running backs either, because you want him to be the person where if Akers needs a breather or Akers isn't ready week one or two because it's going to be difficult for rookies. I mean, you want Henderson to be the guy in that situation. The Rams are not even committing to that. So he's going to be the guy we drop. Yeah. For me, Tony Pollard is the one of these three that has the least standalone value, but the most value in the event of an injury. And so that's what makes him tough here. Uh, I will say, you know, we've both evoked our love for uh, Darrington Evans here, and he's my keep. I'm keeping Darrington Evans. So it's between uh, trading Henderson or Pollard here. And I, I it, it, this might seem contradictory because Pollard has the higher ADP, but I feel like I could probably get more for Henderson because people just see Zeke as that roadblock. And they're like, well, what's he going to do? He's behind Zeke. And so I think that, that roadblock in people's brain 
you know, stops them from trading a, a you know a decent amount of value for for Tony Pollard. So I'll I'll keep Evans, I'll trade Henderson, and I'll drop Pollard. But like you said, these are uh, all six guys we've talked about so far. Great zero RB candidates. Redraft dynasty doesn't matter because they could all be RB ones in their offense with an injury or a holdout. Yeah, I I completely agree there, and I can see where you're going with that on Henderson. I, one of the things I think that you want to look at when you're deciding where the trade value is going to go is ask yourself what happens in the first couple of weeks. If a guy has a big run or two, what happens if they keep sitting there? What's the likelihood that that happen with Ezekiel Elliott there? How likely is Tony Pollard to break off a couple of 60 yard runs in the first couple of weeks? Contrast that with Henderson and what happens to Henderson's value. If he does break off a couple of those runs, like he did in college, you could see a huge shift in his trade value with just a couple of plays. And we'll close out, keep trade drop with, we're going a little deeper, getting a little deeper. We went with the sexy zero RB names. Now we're going, okay, who are you taking the 16th round of your redraft league? We have Jarek McKinnon, Dare Ogumbawale, and Gio Bernard. As you said, these are a lot trickier, and I think it depends on the type of thing that you're looking for. It, I think here... The interesting thing with Bernard and the reason that I am going to drop him, even though there is a a clear path to him having a lot of value because he's one of those pass catching guys in games in which the Bengals have been willing to go with him through his career. He's done well. And so it's, it's a little bit difficult to understand why they have been so intent on marginalizing him. When he's behind Joe Mixon, that's a little bit easier to understand because Mixon uh, at times, you know, we saw in the second half of the season, he can be that big time back. The reason I'm going to drop Bernard, though, is because I really like their third guy, Travion Williams, basically didn't do anything last season. But I think if you got into a situation where Mixon went down, then he would start to really put a lot of pressure on Bernard for that second position. Certainly a name to keep in mind with, as we talked about before, the potential to need many, many, many backs in this particular season. Then you have that sort of tricky question uh, with Dare and what's going to happen with the Buccaneers. So uh, throwing it back to you for a second, when we look at the reporting to camp, we look at the situation with the COVID, what's your take on this backfield now? Ronald Jones obviously moving up quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. I think that's justified. Uh, is there a reason to believe that Vaughn might not have any role at all and Dare might be the pass catching back? Well, th- this may be news to you, but uh... Kashawn Vaughn is on the COVID list. Uh, so that is certainly an opportunity for Ronald Jones early on uh, into training camp. And they haven't, you know, I guess because of HIPAA, they can't say whether it's a positive test or, or a possible exposure. Um, but as of now, Kashawn Vaughn is on the COVID list, which means he can't do anything football-wise until he's off of it. And so I do feel like Ronald Jones' name has been picking up a little bit more in hype. And with this Kashawn Vaughn news, that this – this is going to put Dario Gumbawala even more in the news than he had been as, you know, okay, stop arguing over Vaughn and Jones. Let's actually look at this guy. And even with that being the case, I don't really care. I I, th- I think he's the drop. <laughs> I, I, I think outside of Vaughn missing significant time with, with COVID, I think that Dare is not going to have much of a role. I think that Vaughn's going to get the that receiving role. Ronald Jones will get much of the rushing work. And I like the talents of both McKinnon and Bernard. I think, think that uh, McKinnon is going to have a shot if he's healthy. And I think that Bernard is a guy who 
in the event of a mix and injury is going to benefit greatly. So I obviously all three of these guys are shots in the dark, but I'm going to actually, no, you know, I, I talked myself out of this because, because with the COVID list, you have to trade Dare actually. And so I'll, 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 I'll keep Bernard drop McKinnon and I'll trade Dare because people are going to panic about Vaughn on the, on the COVID list. I, I like where you're going there. I think, that I mean, Ronald Jones is, is a huge buy at this point. I am interested to see what happens in that offense if Tom Brady does have the number of dump off passes that he's had the last several seasons. If you go in and you look at the expected points to running backs in the passing game, right? So you pull up the rotor of his screen or you look at that stuff, you see that the Patriots have been way up there. It doesn't mean that they'll play the same type of offense, even with the same quarterback, obviously there in Tampa Bay, but I like what Dari brings to the table there. And because the price to acquire him and then hold him is so little, I think he might actually be the hold. Whereas on the other hand, with McKinnon starting to get that buzz there, anybody with that 49ers offense could end up going off, scoring a ton of points. I like Wilson there as well. I think that we're going to see in these next couple of weeks, if McKinnon doesn't have a recurrence that his trade value is going to pop to the point where even though it's still, I mean, you're talking about a third string guy, you're talking about someone who is going to be a relatively late round pick, but I think you will be able to move him, get that injury risk off of your team beyond injury risk. It's just the problem of even if it goes into the game as a starter, you're potentially looking at two or three other guys having more carries, getting the touchdowns. So I might go ahead and get rid of McKinnon when we have this one moment where his trade value is up again. Yeah, and as we've seen so many times with sleepers and post-hype and post-hype hype sleepers is that Twitter loves themselves some post-hype hype sleepers that that guy that you thought was a sleeper three years ago, if he's popping up back now, like, oh, I love him again. Like we, we, we re-fall in love with guys very easily. Definitely, and that, that 49ers team is an easy one to both love and hate from the running back position. All righty, that should wrap us up for today. Uh, Sean, thanks so much for coming on and uh, talking some zero RB, some COVID, and some uh, keep trade drops. So uh, anything to plug before you head out? Just that we have had a lot of, of great uh, articles up on the site. So take advantage of that 10% discount. Monty Fawn, uh, Sam Wallace had some really cool stuff again today. We're going to have some stuff from Curtis and Blair coming up soon. Uh, the new guys are doing a great job on the site. So uh, make sure drop over there, take advantage of that discount, check out those articles. All righty. Thank you so much for coming on, Sean. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Ta-da! Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.